Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical. Andy Joseph. Welcome to Mission Supercritical, exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success stories of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thanks for joining us. We, uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking about 500 customers and highlighting the, the success stories of them. But today's guest is a little bit different. Today we've got Rob Mayer. He is the president of Cannabis Business Executive. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. So, so Rob, you know, it's a little bit different uh, different for us. And usually we're talking to an operator who's doing some uh, extraction platforms or one of our customers has bought a system. You, uh, you're in kind of a completely different ball game here, a different ballpark for us in that, you know, you are media serving the cannabis industry. And so, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the, the, the challenges and, and tribulations of, of, you know, being a, a media player in a growing industry like this. But I want to get to know you first. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you, what did you do prior to cannabis business executive and how did you get into the cannabis world? Sounds good. Um, you know, they, I've been uh, kind of traveling through a 30-year career almost exclusively in media. Um, I began the journey when I got out of college and kind of on a um, on a whim because of the, the the time frame. It was 1982. Interest rates were high. Um, I had graduated with a degree in finance and thought that I would pursue a career um, probably at an insurance company buying buildings and, you know, basically getting into the construction industry. Um, it was a terrible time to do it. And, uh, I actually had a, an internship with Merrill Lynch Commercial Realty, was laid off, and was fortunate enough that my wife was working over at the Washington Post. I'm a D.C. native and uh, met a bunch of the people that sold ad space. And I, I looked at them and said, wow, they're not the sharpest pencils I've ever seen. I think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. and they were good enough. They were good enough to introduce me to their national advertising rep, and uh, that was the beginning of my career. I got a job with a company called Sawyer Ferguson Walker, shipped out to Boston, spent three years learning how to communicate and sell, and learn about the needs of customers. Um, you know, literally across just about any industry sector. And um, with that experience, selling some of the largest newspapers in the country um, to those advertisers, um, it put me in a position to it that. You know the three-point juncture to move down to New York. Um, I spent pretty much the next 15 years on Madison Avenue, and I worked for that large newspaper uh, publisher as part of their launch team for USA Today and USA Weekend. Um, through that experience, about three years, I advanced to becoming their New York sales manager um, and did some of the biggest deals to this day that I'd ever done in my life. Um, but at the, you know, at the at the end of three years, there was a lot more to learn and made a jump over. Um, to another publishing entity, Reader's Digest, which at the time was sort of like going to work for a CBS or an, an ABC, um, big expense accounts, you know, selling three, four hundred thousand dollar pages, um, and traveling all over the country uh, and entertaining clients, getting to know, uh, building relationships, and putting together solutions. Um, after that experience, um, I spent the next six years building a product called Financial World, and um, helped grow that from a, a very small. 50,000 circulation publication, um, a group of people that had an ambition to be the next Forbes, 
grew it to 500,000, um, advanced a publisher of that, brought them to profitability in 96, only to see um, the, a screeching halt come to our success based on, the, the again, the economy, um, and made a, another shift, um, and this time into the, the, the technology world. And I, I helped launch publications during the internet boom with Ziv Davis um, and the folks over at uh, IDG, which are the publishers of Computer World, Info World, just about any title with World. Did that for a few years. Um, and Ziv Davis actually ran the IBM business worldwide, so I was specifically calling on CEOs and executives of the different IBM divisions and helping them uh, figure out how to reach the audiences that we delivered. And it was an interesting time, Andy. The, um, it was the, the time when what I call integrated selling really became the mantra in media. Zip Davis owned uh, some of the best computer titles in the, in the space on the B2B side. They uh, also um, had the Comdex trade show, which um, at the time was the largest, I think, in the world. They had ZD Internet, which they had launched. They had ZD TV. They had a research division and an educational division. So I was truly one of the first integrators on the, in the media world. Well, um, and, 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 and you're doing, and all this stuff is all sales. So it's not like you're in, in journalism, right? You're not writing articles or, or doing, you know, being a press jockey or anything like that. You're you're selling. Yeah, no, my my, the, my the, career the absolutely media. started in in the marketing and advertising realm. Although I would have to say that to be successful selling big titles like that, yeah, I had to be creative. So um, a lot of the things that I did was I took content ideas to clients. You know, so when you talk about content marketing today. There were guys like me that were doing it back in the, the late 80s, mid 90s, and you know, through and forward to where we are today. So putting together special sections um, that would help um, bring out the advantages of, of what the, the clients were selling, helping them prepare white papers, putting together microsites. Um, you know, all of that was kind of a requirement if you're going to be one of the top salespeople. Um, right, right. And, that, and, that, and that's really what cannabis business executive is all about, right? I mean, you're, you're giving people like us, Apex Super Critical, an opportunity to, you know, get exposure to the, to the, to the world and, and the, you know, through the marketing mechanism. When, when yeah, you start and, cannabis and, business and, and the funny part about it is you know, people, they, they over-glamorize what we do. At the end of the day, marketers are trying to reach people that can buy their stuff. And, you know, the game that, that you play um, if you're successful at this is you're always coming up with creative ways to create content that draw those eyeballs that are attached to sponsors' messages and help them sell things. Right, right. So when, when did cannabis, cannabis business executive, CBE, do you like CBE or cannabis business executive? Um, it's kind of interesting. You know, the, the name cannabis business executive came out of a, a latter experience. I, I actually ran all the sales and marketing for Sherm which was the big HR trade association. And one of our competitors was a group called Human Resource Executive. And most advertising um, is bought based on, on syndicated research. And one of the things I learned along the way in this 30-year uh, career path was that a name like Human Resource Executive was always invited to the dance because there was the perception that they reached the decision makers. And if you look at decision-making metrics, is, you know, usually 80% of the, the purchases are determined by the senior management players. So we, we selected the name of Cannabis Business Executive, but we created a logo specific to CBE so that it would roll off the tongue a little bit easier. And okay. I, think at some, I think at some point we'll benefit um, because of the executive and the name. Um, but I think, as you know, a lot of people think of us as CBE now. So um, it's helped us build brand awareness and the two are interjoined. Right, all right, so in, in, in a nutshell, tell me what the, the mission or the purpose of CBE is. 
It's pretty simple. Um, the, the association experience played a big role in, in establishing the mission. I always thought, um, and this goes back about six years ago, when we first um, started putting together the business plan, that if we could um, draw the senior decision makers to the content that we put out, we'd be in a, a really interesting position. And if you think about associations and what they really try to do, they're trying to advance the profession, give people in the industry tools that they need to build their companies. And then on the other hand, they're also trying to um, advance the industry itself, which is the lobbying side of the, of the equation, you know, trying to, to affect regulation, et cetera. So the mission statement for CB out of the gate was those two things, advance the profession, advance the industry, and at the same time create content that would be utilitarian and useful to those executives that were reading uh, the stuff that we put out on a daily basis. So most of our most of the people that are going to be listening to this show are and not the particular podcast, but just business supercritical in general. Most of the people are are operators, and and a lot of times the the owners of the pieces of equipment, um, if they're not operating themselves, then they've got operators or people working for them. What's a what's a benefit? Why would somebody in that audience care about cannabis business executive? Well, you know, I'll give you an example. So if um, if you if you follow what we do on a daily basis, you'll see we do a lot of company stories and. The, the thrust of any company's story is we're trying to chronicle the, the entrance into this new industry, um, what their backgrounds were, why they came in. Um, we try to chronicle what they've done to get where they are today and where they're going next. So within that, you know, there are these semi-case studies that are giving people the best practices that are working and the best practices that aren't working. Um, and so, again, the, you know, the approach to be utilitarian. Um, somebody who is in the you know, obviously the, the infused products arena um, has to know about the extraction side of the game and what the choices and options are. And, and they have to know it down to the dollar and cents level because the margins ultimately will be very thin in the very competitive market. So the, the game for us is to, is to help, again, people dissect these variety of, of areas underneath, let's say, um, industry news and then the variety of areas under policy and legal. So a customer would say, hey, you know what, I'm interested, and it's not necessarily just technology. I guess that's, that's what I'm, I, I want to point out here. It's not just a extraction technology. That's what my, my audience would probably be most interested in. But they also have to worry about financing, marketing, uh, the, the, the legal legislation side of things, and the, the constantly changing marketplace there. So it's, it's a wide array of, of different things. Uh, Rob, we've got to take a break here for just a minute, but uh, when we come back, I, I want to talk about how to sort it out. Right? There's, there's a massive amount of opportunities, or maybe we'll call them options, I suppose, uh, to, to read when it comes to, to the magazines in the cannabis space, to the, to the websites in the cannabis space, to the, to the trade shows. Um, I, I want to know, you know, from your opinion and, and kind of being an industry insider, how do you pick and choose which ones to spend your time looking at or attending and this kind of stuff? So let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. We'll regroup for more Mission Supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. 
At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th to the 26th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio podcast leader for all things cannabis cannabisradio.com be one of the first to register today at usccexpo.com that's usccexpo.com time to extract more knowledge on mission supercritical only on cannabisradio.com okay welcome back to mission supercritical again today's guest rob mayer president cannabis business executive rob we, we talked a little bit about your background and how you know you spent a lot of time uh basically making the transformation from print to the internet right i mean that's you know that's a significant change in and of itself but it happened over the course of you know like 30 years or something like that cannabis industry is under this this you know extreme amount of growth in a very very compressed amount of time a lot of people don't have you know tons of time to go and figure out what to read and what not to read there's tons of magazines you know you and i've had conversations about trade shows until we're blue in the face how does somebody who's either entering the industry or somebody who's currently in the industry pick and choose which magazine to read which trade show to attend you know where to put their advertising dollars what's your recommendations um, well, I'd, I'd start with saying with great difficulty because of all the clutter and, and all of the, I would, I would have to say, pretenders in many ways. Um, a lot of the guys have, have entered the space without significant media or publishing experience. Um, and within that you know, comment is, how do you put it out there? Do you put it out in print? Do you put it out on the radio? Do you put it out on the Internet? Um, do, you, do you use newsletters? Do you go to trade shows, et cetera? Um, there are an enormous amount of opportunities, um, but there also is a huge challenge in selecting. We made a, a pretty conscious decision early on that all of the readership studies that we've seen and the way that people consume content, um, it was pretty clear to us that the Internet was here to stay and it had become, in many ways, the, you know, the choice way to receive information, whether it's in your, uh, your, your Outlook inbox or whether it's something that you seek out by using Google to search or um, whether you go directly to sites that you find have the information that you need. Um, CB made a choice to do that. And the, you know, the other side within this was, would that be something that would attract the audiences? Um, we and some of the others in the, in the space, I think, have done a good job of building our audiences um, based on looking at the databases supplied by the states who are actually issuing the licenses. The buyers in this B2B category of media selection are clearly the, the licensees. The ancillary businesses like yourselves are all interested in reaching those folks. Um, so how do you how do you separate it? Well, you got to know, and you have to have media discipline and an understanding of doing it. That in, in itself is a challenge for many of the entries in the space because a lot of the companies 
are mom and pop startups and aren't as sophisticated, let's say, as ones that I've dealt with over the years, um, let's say in the technology category, who've been buying media for the better part of 20, 30 years. So what what you have to do is you've got to educate um, the audience by uh, having them engage with your product and having them understand the mission statement. So uh, I'd say within within the the, 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 the key publisher B2B category, um, Marijuana Business Daily's done a nice job of carving out the news front. Um, we chose not to go that way because it's incredibly expensive, um, not only in the short term to put out on a daily basis, but also it's a, it's a challenge in the long term um, because unless you have something like their 10-ton gorilla, the uh, Marijuana Business Daily Conference in Vegas, um, you don't have the revenue to support the editorial talent that you need. Um, so the news side is a difficult game to play. I think um, we can abdicate that to some extent to the guys at MJ Biz Daily because they're first and they're on front. We entered it from a feature perspective. You know, if you differentiate a Wall Street Journal uh, from a Forbes or a Fortune, the difference there really does uh, boil down to having feature stories in the form of our case and a Forbes or a Fortune um, in the form of company stories based on interviews with the people that lead those companies. So CB um, not only built a database of the executives, but we gave them peer-to-peer information based on information that they would want to know from people that, that, that play in the same sandbox. So you, you, found a, times. Yeah, so you, you found a niche, basically you found a niche for the executives that are out there that, are, that isn't the news, the daily news, like you said. It's more stuff that's you know, going to be featured and, and specifically you know, interesting to them. I'd argue you've been pretty successful. I, you know, last time we talked, it, Bart, it's been a little while ago, I think you were up to thirty or 40,000 um, you know, subscribers to your to your uh, to your newsletter and, and cannabis business executive. What are you up to now? Um, we're pushing around thirty five thousand. We ended the year with a rate base of thirty thousand. The California licensee um, additions that have taken place through the the whatever, however you pronounce the MARSA program uh, or the MAU CRSA program has helped us build additional licensees uh, from the California market. But as every state comes online, we make a conscious effort to to get to the state licensing bureaus and to capture that information. And what we do, very simply, is we serve our emails to them. And uh, we serve a CB week, which goes out on Tuesday and Wednesdays, to that full subscriber base. And we serve CB policy and legal on Thursday and Friday. What, what has happened um, in terms of managing the email flow is you then have a, an opt-in base and you have people that opt out, so you're constantly churning audience. Now, the the key to this, and this is what's, I think, really important to people that are buying media, is you have to go out and measure your audience. One of the key disciplines for us is that we'll do a subscriber study of our readership every two years. We're now um, four years old. We've done our second subscriber study based on 30,000, and it indicates that 80% of our, our readership is executives. Um, so where I was going with the comment just prior to that comment was that I think Cannabis Business Times uh, would probably be the third one that I would throw into this bucket of ourselves, the folks at Marijuana Business Jail and CBT, because the three of us all practice good media best practices. All right, we evaluate our audience. We provide data and quantitative information. Um, if you run an ad with us, you get reports on a, on a, on a weekly and monthly basis. Um, We are doing things that professional media companies do to make sure that the return on investment is there from the the folks that are spending money with us. Right, and 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 that's the the thing to really look for, right? And I think that's the answer to the question. So, you know, we're in kind of a reverse role here where, you know, I'm buying advertising space from you as CBE, and, you know, I want to know, 
is my money worth it, right? Am I throwing money away? Is it is it is it worthwhile? And it, you know, I think you hit it right on the head. Understanding what the metrics are for success, and does the platform have the ability to capture those metrics and then feed them back to you? That to me is well, a, you know one number one advertising rule. Absolutely, but you know what you're also dealing with, and in, you run into this in house as well is. How do you communicate with the the folks uh, that are reading the publications that your messages are being distributed? And so content creation on the client side is also incredibly important in making sure that you have good messaging that attracts the people to open uh, your your ad uh, and then to click through. You know, the inherent disadvantage of print is it's almost impossible to measure it in any way, shape, or form. Another reason why strategically we want 100% electronic. Now, right. I, I and, do want and, to jump over. Go, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead and finish that statement. I, I was going to jump over to the trade show side for a minute because you know you're looking at, in essence, you know when I when I think about integrated media, we always said, in print, in person, and online. You know, those were the three major buckets that you threw people into, um, and how they were consuming their their content or how they were getting what they uh, needed to do their jobs better and what they're willing to pay for. Right. So. The, the online side clearly has a huge advantage because it's measurable, you know, it's tangible. Um, the challenge within the internet side is, again, the client messaging is incredibly important. This category is unlike, let's say, the existing and mature technology market where most of the marketers use white papers to capture an email address so that they can then market directly to people and nurture a lead and convert it into a sale. On the print side, there's really no mechanism for that. The trade mm-hmm. show side's a little bit different. You know, it's a little more expensive, in terms of the entry and the time frame is incredibly compressed. You have, you know, what a week or so to set up, be at the event, uh, talk to people as they're coming by. Hopefully, they're stopping, having a message that is coherent and that draws their attention to fill their need. And then you've got to follow up pretty quickly thereafter um, and wait for the next one. Um, so the trade show side in this space has, you know, also um, I think created a lot of peril for how people spend their money. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Per- peril's the right word. Don't get me started on trade shows, man. I got to tell you, there's a freaking million of them, and it drives me crazy. About how many we had over two, there. we had over two hundred in our B two B events directory last year. I, I could, I on mean, that two, uh, executive site. Two, so two hundred trade shows. That's almost one a day. That's almost you know one every business day, right? Throughout and the put, course and of the put year. This, put this in, in perspective. So in the HR space, if you measure all the HR people in the U.S. There's probably about a million of them, all right? And the HR space has, I'd estimate, you know, from my experience in the seven, eight years I worked in it, maybe eight trade shows you would go to on an annual basis. Crazy. So absolutely crazy. So that, that's, you get me on my soapbox there, Rob. That drives me bonkers, I got to tell you. But hey, let's let's take a break before I get, you know, crazy mad about all the trade shows that are out there. And, and, and you know, by the way, just as a side note, I, I've, I've, I'm cutting trade shows out, man. I'm not doing them anymore. So we've got we got three that we're gonna do, maybe four next year. That's it, right? So you know, 190, 196 of them are, are not getting my business. Well, and you and you've spent your time and money learning which ones are worth the, the investment. Right, right. So all right, Rob, let's take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, the the challenges that you have so we're both you know quote unquote ancillary providers in the cannabis space we've got challenges for things like banking i want to know what kind of challenges you have is it banking is it not when we come back let's talk about it we'll regroup for more mission super critical after we hear from our sponsors 
Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Do you have new ideas that you believe will make a difference in the cannabis industry? Looking to make your brand or service stand out? The first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is seeking sponsors and speakers for its inaugural event August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners are all welcome to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Grow with us in this groundbreaking event, the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Learn more at usccexpo.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back. Mission Supercritical, Rob Mayer, President, Cannabis Business Executive. So, Rob, you know, we, we talked about, uh, we left off there with trade shows. It was a little warm under the collar, uh, you know, just thinking about all the money that I've thrown away on trade shows that have miserable attendance. Uh, but, hey, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about some of the challenges that you find for, for your company, CBE, and, and operating in the cannabis space. You know, Apex Supercritical, we, we build equipment and we provide it to customers who are operating in the, the legal, both medical and recreational space. And even though we don't touch the plant material or plant material directly, we get into a situation where our bank accounts get shut down, our insurance companies are you know looking at us sideways. What kind of challenges do you have? Do you, do you have similar issues? Um, we, we have a couple of challenges. One is, again, resources. Um, we chose from the outset not to look for investors um, that were looking to make a quick return. We knew we were in a long-term game. We were building a brand. Um, we knew that, you know, that I think the best thing I can say is we're probably still only on the 25, 30-yard line with the, you know, the goal line to score 70 yards away. Um, so we knew it was going to be a long game, um, but it would also require resources to get to the end. Um, so we have stuck to our knitting and we've built our, our revenues on a daily basis by following media best practices. That doesn't always work when you're dealing with potential customers who, um, in many cases in this industry, aren't prepared to play. And what do I mean by that? Um, you know, again, I mentioned on the technology side, guys that are doing electronic marketing always have a call to action in their, in their messaging. A lot of the guys that are advertising this space are doing it to build awareness, but thinking that they're going to generate leads. And you don't generate leads unless you give something to people. And um, you got to give something meaningful that they can apply and they can turn around so the investment um, is, is worthwhile. So I'd have to say, you know, the challenges are um, resources and sticking to a long-term strategy 
and a slow build versus a quicker build where we could have gone out and picked up money, but at the same time, we would have given up uh, ownership stake and possibly control. We own 100% of CB, myself, and my sister's actually my partner at it, um, and we will be that way for the foreseeable future until um, the, the smoke clears. But the uneducated customer for us um, is a huge challenge. you got a lot of young people that have come into the industry uh, because it's cool and it's hip. As you and I know, this isn't about being a stoner or somebody that smokes a doobie. This is a serious business and a place where people are looking at how do they generate return for their, you know, in essence, their investors from a long-term perspective. And there's a disconnect between the people that they have making some of the purchase decisions in media versus the owners who seem to get it uh, once you have time to get and have those conversations. Right. So that's, you know, the way one of the, I guess, a corollary that I would I would relay from Apex Supercritical standpoint is we build an industrial piece of equipment, but a very small percentage of our customers actually have industrial manufacturing experience. Right, they don't know what three-phase power is. They don't understand rift, lifting and rigging for moving heavy equipment around. You're in the same situation where you know your your customers, quote unquote, the the operators in the industry who are looking to advertise, have no advertising or marketing experience. Right, and so, uh, I'll give know, I'll give you a great example. And I, you know, this is not a competitive shot, but one of the publications on the West Coast when they launched were claiming that they were they were audited which means that their circulation was actually looked at by a third party and could confirm who they said was reading, the publication was reading it. Um, it's impossible to be audited unless you've had two years of serving copies because you actually go, <laughs> right. uh, the, the audit the audit groups actually go through and look at the, the actual subscription cards to confirm that these people are, are actual people that have requested the copies of those magazines. So again, you know, back to the educated, uneducated consumer, that's just, uh, that's media buying 101. It's not applied here on a regular basis. Right, right. When I can tell you, you know, from the other side of that equation, you know, I'll get a, I'll get a stack of, uh, you know, magazines in a, in a cardboard box. They deliver it here in a cardboard box. And, you know, there's 10, 15 of the, of the same, same issue every month. And, you know, I'm looking at this box going, well, wait a minute here. I've got 15 coming to me. Then there's probably 15 go a whole bunch of other people, and that means that you know their circulation numbers are massively overinflated because they're just sending me a bunch of the copies, right? And, yeah, and, you know, and we, uh, we play in the B2B space, Andy. But you know, when you look at any of the let's say business to consumer publications, and um, you know the the reality, I, you know, High Times. Uh, I think if if we've all followed what's happening there, they believe they're going to go public and everybody's going to get rich. Uh, the reality is their circulation's been diving, the revenues have been diving. Um, and part of that gets back to, you know, having a realization of where do you have to be to compete in the B2C space. We estimate out of the gate that there are about 16% of the adult U.S. population consuming marijuana, so roughly 40 million people. If you go back to, you know, traditional media metrics, you look at a Reader's Digest with a circulation of 16 million, they're reaching 15, 16% of that. None of the consumer guys um, have the resources to build the reach that's necessary uh, if you're a magazine in this space, right? And Mass Roots is probably the best example. You know, they came out with a concept saying that they were going to be the Facebook for the cannabis consumer. Um, the reality is, if they were going to do that, they had to reach 25, 30% of them. It was very, uh, I think we all saw the meltdown occur when they deviated from that and started changing their mission statement because they couldn't accomplish even a million uh, regular users of their social media platform. And they right. then became B2B. They then moved into another realm. They had major struggle and, and turmoil um, on their both their board and their investor side. 
and you know they're going to end up on the wayside. You know, but at the key of that whole thing was a premise, and the premise was, you know, Mass Roots was going to be the Facebook for cannabis consumers. I looked at it from day one and said to myself, "Let's see the Facebook for alcoholics." It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Some yep. of this stuff is really, really apparent and clear if you just think it through. Um, and, you know, so that that is one of the things I think, you know, and it actually was part of the mission statement in CBE. We didn't want to write about, um, let's say, the, the stocks that were the investment opportunities early on because it was clear to us that there was a lot of subterfuge going on, a lot of dishonesty, and a lot of ideas were just not coherent, well-thought-out business plans. And yeah. um, I think I think to this day it's pretty true. We have not covered the OTC market like some of the others have. Um, you know, I still look at the valuations of some of the Canadian companies. I'm like, who are they going to sell to? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. So it's uh, it's it's good for business, but it's not real. I suppose is probably the best way to say that. So. Um, Rob, let's see. We're uh, we're running out of time, but uh, you know, we, we we talked a little bit about the trade show stuff. I wanted to uh, want to take a minute to uh, hopefully not pick a scab, but applaud you for uh, for not doing a trade show. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you looked at it and then you decided, uh, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't the best thing to do. And, and I'm sure that was a rough decision, um, but you know, I, I I think it was right. Give me a little insight into that. What uh, what was the thought process there? Well, what happened, we thought that we had to have the multimedia platform as well. And I think if we had launched in the first year, we might have had a chance at it. Um, but in the first year, there there were only a handful of events. You know, the uh, NCIA National Conference is taking place in San Jose now. The, that was one of the first events I went to back in June of 2014. And compared to the square footage that they're using today or, or that they're filling today versus what they had then, they've grown quite a bit. So we thought there was an opportunity. Um, I formed a joint venture with some very successful trade show guys that have um, you know, not only come from the biotech industry, but also from um, the, metal, the medical tech or the, the life sciences arena. Um, and we put together a business plan. The, the ideal way to do it would have been to focus on what CBE does, and that is reaching executives and probably do smaller events across major metro areas and, and limit them to a day or two. Um, and have the right audience there and very few sponsors and then build the brand from it. The guys I partnered with wanted to do a big blowout and they wanted to do a big event. We secured um, the DC Convention Center and we started marketing it and put together wonderful content. Um, And what we found was we were too late. The industry didn't support it either from people signing up to attend or people um, coming and exhibiting. So, you know, the executive decision on my side was pretty straightforward. If I can't deliver on the return of investment and promise to not only the people that are coming, but also the people that are supporting it with their advertising and sponsorship dollars, we'd pull the plug. And I think it was a good decision to do that. The, the timing wasn't right. I do think there is an opportunity to do executive events down the road, um, but we're sticking to our knitting right now, and, and we'll jump on that opportunity when, it, when it's right. Right. Obviously not an easy decision, but nonetheless, you know, that's sometimes what business is about. It was the right one. Look, yeah. Yep. I mean, if, if if you were to come to my show and, you know, I have 100 people walking through and maybe two buyers that you and 10 other extraction companies are competing for, you'll never spend another cent with me. Yep. I would have been pissed. So. I know you would have. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get hot. <laughs> so to me, it was, to me, it was a pretty trade easy trade. decision. Uh, it was yeah, an right? easy decision, to be honest. And. <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, I was a partner in the venture. Um, CB had a, a quarter stake in it, mostly IP, and putting together the content. Like I said, we had some great content. Um, yeah, I think you were you were participating in some way, shape, or form. We were working with you on it. But the the reality is, um, you know, if you can't bring the numbers of people who can buy um, to the event, it's not going to work in the short yeah. or the long term. 
Yeah. Well, so Rob, I could uh, I could complain about trade shows for uh, for another thirty minutes, but unfortunately, we're uh, we're out of time. Real quick, if somebody wanted to either sign up for CBE Week or get a hold of you for advertising or want to contribute um, content to to your to your platform, how might they go about getting a hold of you? Best way is to go to www.cannabisbusinessexecutive.com. And when you get to the uh, the homepage for the site, there's an area to click on for advertising. The newsletter sign-up page is right there on the upper right-hand side of the masthead. Um, and you can find me through the contact area. Great, great. And it's, uh, you know, I, I look at it uh, several times a week. And obviously, you know, we're contributors as well. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the content and appreciate you taking the time to put it together. No, we appreciate you supporting what we're doing and contributing as well, Andy. you got a lot to, to share with the industry. You're one of the, the pioneers. You're one of the, the honest and good guys, so we love working with you. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. So, yep, Rob, thanks for uh, for being the guest on Mission Supercritical today. For everybody else out there, look for other Mission Supercritical shows to learn about our Apex Supercritical's more than 500-plus customers and also ancillary, ancillary providers like Rob Mayer and CBE Week. So thanks for everybody for uh, joining. And for those of you who can't join us next week, hope you can join us next time. And until then, happy extracting. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.